people, there are areas of their lives that just don't look and feel the way they wish they did. The Next Generation Wellness podcast is dedicated to unpacking the physical, mental, emotional, and social stress triggers that stack together and make that experience so. Years of piling these triggers together often leave us feeling overwhelmed, anxious, irritable, depleted, or unhappy, and operating from a place of self-doubt, comparison, procrastination, perfectionism, or busyness. We uncover the science, research, and stories of what it takes to live with whole life success, along with improved ways of thinking and the stackable skills and habits to make it stick. You can be an introvert or an extrovert. This self-confidence framework we're about to launch into will help you to understand, develop, and measure self-confidence. I only say it's an introvert's framework in the heading because the current rhetoric and strategies in the marketplace for self-confidence are so far from helpful if you're an introvert that I didn't want to put you off even trying. Things like fake it till you make it. Man, if you're an introvert and you've just been told to fake it, you have just space rocketed into fear and anxiety straight away. Introverts aren't very talented at fake. And then there's this encouragement of being fearless, which is an odd one because our entire processing system works on the emotion of fear. And let's face it, in the absence of fear, there is an absence of growth. And then there's the doozy, just don't worry about what people think. Yet I have not met someone who does not care what other people think of them. Even those dominant, powerful personalities, they care. They care about people showing them respect and loyalty. However they attain that may not always be positive, but they still care what people think about them. And the other thing with the don't worry about what people think thing, the introverted type, the biggest problem actually sits within what they think about themselves more than other people. So right here, right now, we are not buying into any of this stuff when it comes to self-confidence. My husband frequently shares with me his nickname he crowned me with, unbeknownst to me, when we first met many years ago at uni. Mercedes-Benz, it was. And the first time I heard this story well into married life, I thought, for obvious reasons, oh, that's a nice thing to say, sort of thinking like elite or cream of the crop or something like that. And then he promptly burst that bubble and he told me more. He said, we used to sit up the other end of the gym and I used to say, I'll show this Mercedes-Benz, meaning I'll show her she's not as good as she thinks she is. Dead set. Probably lucky for him that I didn't know it at the time. But when I heard that, part of me wanted to die inside. And it's the message that I want to start with. How we interpret something from the outside about somebody else can be worlds away from what it commonly looks like on the inside. I was so petrified of people. I didn't go down that end of the gym because they were all there. There were people there generally. I didn't look them in the eye for long when they spoke to me because I didn't know what to say. I didn't think what I had to say was worth someone else's ears. The message we begin with is this. No one is immune to self-doubt regardless of what it might look like on the outside. No one's self-confidence is unshakable. And more often than not, when you're, what you're interpreting about another person's confidence level is most usually wrong. 
So if until now your barometer of confidence has been by assuming things about others and determining how you should do that, know that your assumptions about them are likely incorrect and that your confidence should not look the same as theirs. And then there's this other thing we need to get in the, out in the open before we discuss how we build and measure our individual self-confidence. And that is that confidence does not and should not be linked to loud. That's not confidence. That's just extroversion. And confidence and extroversion are not the same thing. Although in our society, that is the belief. And that belief does not help the extrovert or the introvert in advancing their self-confidence. Not so long ago, I was conversing with an educator of my daughter, and in the parent-teacher interview, this educator praised our daughter for all that she'd done for the year, and then proceeded to share how she was really needing to build her confidence, because she was really quiet in class. Interestingly, courage had been a stretch focus for her, for our daughter, that entire year, one that she was very proud of herself around, the actions that she was taking each day. She was focused on asking more questions, being brave to ask more questions. And because her mother says, you know, consistency is your position frequently to her, she was focused on asking a question every single day. And she asked quietly because that's her nature, quiet. One of the greatest confidence shakers for the introverted personality type is the insinuation that something is wrong with quiet And if you are introverted, I'll guarantee that you probably spent a big chunk of your life looking at the extroverted type who were more loud and thinking there was something wrong with you. But that's who they are innately, and quiet is who an introvert is innately. And that messaging around loud is confident, bold is confident, that isn't helpful for self-confidence. And it almost makes the introverted person wrong as a person. On average, 50% of us are loud and 50% of us are quiet. And it takes us all loud and quiet to balance our spaces and our world. I mean, imagine if the energy was 100% extroversion. Man. So it's time we change the societal rhetoric. It's time that we accept and understand that everyone experiences self-doubt. That we watch our perceptions of who is confident and who is not. It's misleading and it's unhelpful. And that we understand that quiet and loud are just personality features, both valuable, both need to be here to balance the world, but they have nothing to do with a person's level of self-confidence. I like to see myself as a little bit of a pattern detective and a little bit of a model maker. And I realized it's very important work because I know that until we see our patterns, we stay repeating them for life. We stay labeling ourselves as a certain type of person, one like I'm not self-confident. And until we break down these abstract character traits like self-confidence into understandable, actionable, and measurable variables, these traits remain elusive and misunderstood. So when it comes to the trait of self-confidence, there are five pillars which, when present, enable and enrich a life of self-confidence, a life of fulfillment. And those five variables are congruence, connection, a courage culture, competence and celebration. And I'd love to unpack them one by one. Number one, congruence. It's when we align what we think, what we feel, and what we do with our values, what's important to us, and our self-concept, what we believe we are capable of and who we are. 
And we build our confidence slowly when we gently more and more align with that. Just think for a moment of a time when you were not really being yourself. You were trying to fit into the crowd and the crowd's energy, or you were doing something that ultimately wasn't too valuable to you. Think about a moment like that. How confident did you feel? And if you flip that and you thought of a time when you're with your dearest, closest friends that you're most comfortable with and you're doing things that are important to you, self-confidence is a lot higher, yeah? The real challenge in raising this confidence variable, the congruence bit, is firstly knowing and accepting who we are. I can go to a networking event and speak quietly. I don't have to be loud and pretend to be extroverted because that's not who I am. When we know and accept who we are, then of course we're always looking for opportunities to develop and strengthen who we are at our pace. Gently our self-concept will expand positively and evolve. But what we don't want to do is jump to a completely different identity right now, that fake it till you make it thing. That's not helpful. We would be much better looking towards all the things that we need to change and improve on and grow around and then evolve towards that, to be crystal clear on what's important to us, living into those values, saying yes to what's important to us and no to what's not. That builds self-confidence. We also have to watch the comparison lens very carefully and keep our eyes in our own lane because you can't be the best version of you if you're trying to be like somebody else. So we want to always look at who we are. How can we improve that? And then focus on that, measure that and move forward. So aligning with congruence around how we show up and think and feel and do and aligning that with what's important to us and who we are. And that naturally grows and builds self-confidence. Number two, connection. Confidence rises in proportion to our belief around connection in the moment. Therefore, if we were able to increase our competency around connection, confidence will rise with it. What does that look like? Well, what it doesn't look like is, well, connection is not viewing time with other people as an opportunity to self-project, to tell them how good we are, to try and prove ourselves to them. And on the flip side, connection is also not an opportunity to fire questions at the other person to avoid being vulnerable yourself or having eyes on you. It's this delicate dance of listening to hear and understand whilst being brave enough to give a little of yourself, the real self, not the masked self. Connection is about seeing the opportunity with other people as one to learn more about them and yourself in order to show up better in life, determining what you would take from them to integrate into your life and to also look at them with generosity around knowing that they're doing the best that they can for what they know. But when it comes to this connection point, this variable of confidence, it is likely if you're introverted that you don't really believe that people skills are your strength. And that's usually because the introvert is so afraid of embarrassment that they overthink everything in the attempt to look competent before speaking. And that extensive silence can sometimes be a little bit awkward. And this avoidance of embarrassment, this need to to avoid it at all costs, usually means that we introverts do not have a very healthy relationship with vulnerability. And vulnerability must be present in the connection formula. 
You cannot connect meaningfully with someone when you're only skimming the surface. And when introverts avoid these opportunities to connect, which often happens because of this fear of embarrassment, because of that avoidance, the thought of those situations becomes fear driving more and more. The more we avoid it, the the greater the fear becomes. And so it is this self-fulfilling prophecy that I'm not good at with people. I'm not good at connecting with people. But if we can gently view connection opportunities more positively as something to learn more and grow more from, we are more likely to step into those situations more frequently. Truly connecting gifts us with a new perspective, often one that we desperately need to take our life to another level. Otherwise, we're just repeating what we already know. This connection opportunity also gives us a generosity towards other people and by default for the self-critical introvert, because most of us have the pessimistic lens naturally, that generosity towards other people over time naturally feeds a generosity to self and self-confidence strengthens. Number three, capability. Obviously, we raise self-confidence when there is a belief that our knowledge, our skills, and our abilities are high enough to complete the task at hand effectively. This is the variable that all perfectionists spend their time on to build self-confidence. They believe that if they can just get better at this thing or have more knowledge on that or build their, their talents, that this capability element, this variable, will make them confident. But it's just one variable in this formula. And it's time possibly to accept that you may know enough already, that you're probably capable enough, and that perhaps the other variables could actually be the ones needing your attention and some energy investment. Number four, a courage culture. How will you build confidence if you don't stretch? Confidence does not grow within comfort. It doesn't even stay the same. Without stretching, little by little, people overtake you. And I don't know, I guess if you think about how you feel in that state when when you look sideways and people are overtaking you in life, perhaps it normally happens around this marvellous midlife time. What do you think it does for your confidence? So I say it with heart around this um, stretching thing, around not playing small. And I say it with heart because I know how hard it is to do because I've avoided most of the variables in confidence and just focused on that capability one for a long, long time. It was safer. So I say it with heart and I also guarantee that it feels better when you do the work. Life feels better. Part of that work is recognizing that you need to stretch and courage and fear coexist so you are going to have to step into fear and almost make friends with him or her. And it's important as a step into the stretch that we take with us those first three variables as our protection, that congruence, that connection and our capability. We need those three to step into fear. But what we have to understand is When it comes to courage and creating this culture of courage, courage just doesn't ever show up for you and go, okay, here we are, we're right now, let's go, and we're comfortable in it. We have to muster it intentionally. So this culture of courage we're seeking to develop within ourselves on this confidence growth journey is where we're in an environment 
and your intention is focused on nurturing courage. It's about your thinking and doing that drives a discipline of courageous acts versus a discipline of comfort. And if I asked you right now what you do most of the time, what your discipline is, is it one of courageous acts or is it one of comfort? And if you answer that question and you don't have self-confidence, it may give you a very good indicator of where you start this work. So doing the courageous acts more and more frequently sends messaging to the brain of positivity versus fear. And a small win for the brain also means that we're more willing to do it again. It didn't kill you. And we will bring greater confidence every single time we show up to a courageous act moving forward. So how do you do it? How do you create this culture of courage? There's four elements to focus on to build this stretch culture without it being a major stressor. The very first one is curiosity. We have to watch that critical side. We have to expand self-compassion. Then we have to really pay attention to our communication, what we're communicating internally and externally around fear, courage, and confidence. We need to normalize fear and uncertainty rather than using it as an excuse not to try something. We all have it. However, sometimes we tell ourselves that we're the only one that fears that thing, so that's why we haven't done it. And it's not true. We need to be able to articulate our emotions and our mental storylines behind fear of being courageous. And it's something that we look at in the Life Reset membership is working on this emotional intelligence because without it, our emotions rule that internal communication that will either drive us towards courageous acts or not. It's really helpful in communicating with people and certainly by protecting this internal communication by identifying who the people are who build up your courage culture and those who deplete your courage. It's important to speak of your courage through your language as if you already possess it. So you might like to use little pattern interrupts that say, you know what, what evidence have I got that I'm brave? And so the brain goes to search for that answer. And we discussed how to use those types of questions in the Habit Stacker episode that precedes this. Shifting that physical, um, the, the physical body and the language that you use can help. We don't want words like, I'll try, I should, I might. We don't want that. Ultimately, this communication element of the courage culture is to bring safety to be brave, to find interest in challenging status quo. So we have to watch that communication that comes into us and that we're doing and and communicating to ourselves. Then there's the conflicts, those brain conflicts that we've spoken about in the first two episodes. We also sometimes have to work on changing some of those old belief patterns around who we are. You know, things like I don't do networking, for example, because I'm not a confident person. And that was me. That's what I told myself. Until I set the goal around confidence for a three-month period, that was my main focus. And one of those actions was that I had to reach out or go to a networking event or reach out to somebody else every single week. And then I just realized, actually, I'm not that bad at it. Actually, networking is not that scary. But the conflict in the brain around what we tell ourselves to be capable of and what is true about us will keep us stuck and will will not drive us into that courage culture. And then the other part of this courage culture is around our cycles of energy. So in order to be brave and have this courage culture within you, you need to understand your cycles of energy. We all ebb and flow naturally in energy. 
We have to generate it ourselves usually. But knowing how our cycles go will help us to do the most brave acts at the time that we're at our bravest. And so we know that most of us are confident when our energy is high, right? So when is your energy high? Use that time for your most courageous acts. Don't leave those acts to the end of the day when you're naturally feeling more vulnerable. Don't leave it for when it gets dark and your serotonin drops because your serotonin works inversely to melatonin, which means when we're trying to go to sleep, melatonin will rise, serotonin will drop. It's your happy hormone. And so alongside that serotonin, normally our confidence drops a little bit. We feel a little bit more vulnerable. So don't do your brave acts at night. There are also periods in every month where we're more energetic and there's other periods where we need to stop and step into more a restorative response. Men typically reset energy over a 24-hour period. Women do not. Know your cycles. Do your most brave work when you're most brave. Retreat when you need to retreat. There's also seasonal cycles. Some people are more confident in summer. Summer are in winter. Your job is to track this stuff, to get to know your energy cycles and then strengthen them with those daily habits because, of course, we have to be honest about our daily behaviours that either drive energy or deplete it because in the long run, those slight edge behaviours, those things like you know, binging on alcohol on the weekend or the wine or two every night or the daily Netflix binging or the social scrolling in bed. I could list a hundred of them and none of them on their own every now and again is necessarily terrible. But over time, stacked upon each other, little by little, they steal the energy. They become a big deal and they steal your courage. So this cycle Cycles of energy is really important to look at when it comes to creating this cycle, uh, sorry, courage, uh, courage culture. So this courage culture is ultimately driven by what you think, feel and say and having a measurable accountability process around this. And that's one of the big reasons why the Whole Life Success Planner was developed. It was to put this work that we're striving towards that we never find time for but that we want to move towards because it gives us whole life success. It puts the work into daily practices. It allows us to maintain focus on the new habits. It shines a light on the patterns of thinking or doing and being that keeps you in status quo. It's a really powerful tool and you can learn more about it in the show notes if you want to. So we have looked at these four, top four, congruence, connection, a courage culture and competence. And now the very final element is celebration. And if you're like me, you're pretty good at getting things done. But your eyes normally focus on what you haven't done rather than what you have. And if you're like me, we tend to take moments of celebrations to, or we we don't take the moments of celebrations to see our wins, our growth and our achievements. We're always looking behind at what we didn't get to. And we can't continue on a stretching path without stress if we do not celebrate our wins along the way. Not only will the brain be rewarded for it, and that's really important, but it feels better and it builds that intrinsic motivation to keep doing that because the experience of life is so much fuller. And I'm not talking about the big rewards or celebrations. 
I'm just referring to the little moments when we pause and and I would cross off a non-negotiable habit that I've planned that day in my planner or I've crossed off two to three of my big objectives that I didn't time didn't arrive to do but I made a priority for them because I knew what I was working towards rather than being reactive to everyone else. Celebration looks like scoring a five out of five on the way, a certain way of being that I chose to show up as that day and then nailed it. The little wins for the brain, little by little, stack up to change what you believe yourself to be. And we must measure them, we must celebrate them in order to change what we believe ourselves to be. So that label of I'm not a confident person changes when you acknowledge the connections, the the capabilities, the congruence, the courageous acts daily. Momentum then shifts towards confidence. So no character trait is unchangeable. Our human potential is uncapped, but it's up to you to let go of the label, to let go of being a victim around that label, to live with congruence with who you are and what's important to you to foster some more meaningful connections, to work towards all those elements to develop a courage culture and to celebrate all of those little steps along the way every time you do it. And if you would like to dive further into this work with some other emboldening individuals, then I invite you into our 12-month Life Reset membership. Confidence is just one of the many traits that we can expand upon. We stack together different things um, that allow us to excel in our potential, but to also feel really enriched along the journey. Some other traits around things like connection and vitality and purpose and meaning and contribution and legacy and ambition and emotional intelligence and mental well-being. And it's a great spot to be because we get to see some of those patterns that show up and then have the support around us and the accountability to change that. You can learn more about that membership using the link in the show notes and you can access it there with a special saving. And over at the show notes, you'll also find the link to the daily focus and accountability tool, the whole life success planner. And I'm yet to hear of anyone from anyone who uses that consistently that hasn't experienced huge shifts in themselves and their overall experience of life. I'm Erin Barnes, and I hope this brings a little more vibrancy, ambition, possibility, and wellness to your week. And if it does, I would be so very grateful if you could contribute your precious time to review the Next Generation Wellness Podcast. Podcast.